You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. Hey, yo. We're back again. What week, up? Week number four. How's everybody doing out there? How are you guys doing today? Hey. Yeah, it's definitely Sunday today for sure. I'm a little bit slow today. Yeah, I've been kind of chilling. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so, yeah, this is episode number 137 of Real Crime. We are back after three years and we were just talking about it. We're like kind of happy that we've been able to pull off four weeks in a row. So, plan on seeing us back here every week from now on <laughs> until, you know, the aliens uh, take <laughs> over the planet. Mm hmm. Because I think it's coming. Well, maybe they're film fans, hopefully. <laughs> I hope so. That would be good. <laughs> Pull the mic a little bit closer. The, uh, there we go. I have a soft, girly voice. Yes, you do. But that's okay. <laughs> Those aliens, uh, they saw fire in the sky and said, we're going to come show people what it's really like. Man, I hope, th- <laughs> I hope they're not fire in the sky aliens. I'm fucking killing myself if that's the case. I ain't going yeah, to do that. Going for the probe. <laughs> We're going to so, start possessing people and, uh, like, invaders from Mars. <laughs> yep, yep. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. So you just got the 4K re-release of that, right? I did. The, how does it look? Uh, looks fabulous, considering yeah. how 1953, how old the film is. Hell yeah. And, I need to pick that one up, too. Are you talking about the Criterion one? Uh, it's this independent label called Ignite Films, but Arrow UK is supposed to be handling it, so. Oh. you talking about World of the Worlds, right? Uh, Invaders from Mars. Oh, Invaders from Mars. I'm sorry. Okay. They were they were made the same year, and they were kind of racing each other to the finish line oh, to okay. get to theaters as the first color science fiction film. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that one that one looks really good. The remake is really good too. I just rewatched that. With... I do like. I think the remake's a little underrated mm-hmm. to me. I think it's like one of Spielberg's like better movies actually too. It's kind of dark for. A Spielberg joint, too. I think it's... You mean Toby Hooper? What? Uh, in War the, of the Worlds? Not War of the Worlds. Invaders from Mars. Oh, I am, yeah. like, on crack right now. <laughs> yes, it's, it's totally I'm so, Sunday. I'm totally stuck on this war. I'm even... People are probably like, is Michelle drunk? No, I'm just... That's just my brain on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, I think everybody can hear uh, my dogs upstairs. <laughs> everybody Great. likes dogs. They are just, they're trouble today. They are just trouble all over the place. They've got even more to say than we do today. Yeah, they do. I think they do. It's definitely Sunday. Holy crap. Well, anyways, so um, first thing we got to mention is our sponsors. We'd like to mention ProjectorScreen.com. Make sure you check them out for any of your home theater needs. And then also uh, Dawn of the Collectors. Find them on Facebook. And also come see us next Saturday the 18th where me and Trevor, Trevor will actually be podcasting live there next Saturday at the show. So the VFW on Jefferson and St. Clair Shore. So come up and see us. We don't have anything to give you, but you can just see our smiling faces. <laughs> so hopefully you enjoy it. And in news this week, really not a lot going on. Really not much. Um, I was kind of scouring this afternoon trying to find some news stories and really not much going on at all. However, Titanic took uh, third place at the box office this weekend It's in its 4K re-release for its oh, anniversary. Yeah. Uh, made $6 million in the U.S. and actually racked up another $22.3 million globally this weekend. So, James Cameron keeps racking up the dough. He must be doing something right. Yeah. When's the last time that was released in theaters? Has it had to be released since it came out? Is, I think the, is this the first time? I think it's been out like once. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's been out re-released maybe one time since just like uh, i've only heard about like you know midnight screenings here and there oh, okay but okay not like a full-blown theatrical re-release right, like right. now um so magic mike 3 the last dance or what's it? it's something like that right <laughs> yeah i don't know anything about these movies not really my thing i've seen um, the first two they're all right yeah the first one was okay the second one was kind of eh, poop but uh came in at number one this weekend at the box office with $18.5 million. So it's definitely been a slow weekend mm-hmm. as far as uh, box office tickets go. And uh, other little bit of news, uh, Riddick 4 with Vin Diesel and David Twohey writing and directing their 
finally have actually announced they're moving ahead with another Riddick movie, which I don't really know that we need another Riddick movie. Mm. Have you guys seen the other ones or no? Just the first I've one. I've only seen the first one, yeah. Okay. Second one was like they went for big spectacle yeah. sci-fi and, you know, threw everything but the kitchen sink at it and it was kind of shitty. And then uh, they did another one where they're like, we're going to go back to just the creature thing. There's three? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's wow. the Chronicle. There's Pitch Black, then the Chronicles of Riddick. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was just called Riddick. Oh, that, you know, now that I think about it, and that wasn't too long ago. That one came out, right? Maybe like five or six years I ago. I think or 10 years ago like, now. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Wasn't yeah. there an animated one too? There was. And there was a, vi- I did play the video game, which was actually strangely good. Mm. I've heard that. I've heard that a lot, that the video game yeah. was actually really good. Yeah, the video game was good. Um, And then what else we got? Um, Showtime has announced that they're going to film a sequel series to Spartacus, which I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a Spartacus series on Showtime. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it was pretty good. Yeah, and then the star got cancer yep, yeah. and died, and then they tried replacing him, and it just got canceled yeah. shortly after. So they just announced that they're going to do a sequel series to that. And uh, last but not least, the uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, a new trailer just dropped during the Super Bowl, and it looks good. It looks really, really good. Didn't they drop the Flash trailer, too? Yes, they did. And that actually looked pretty legit. It does. It makes me think, like, it must be pretty good if they're willing to still go through the trouble of releasing it it, with Ezra doing what they've been doing so um and I was like actually I thought Keaton was just going to be like a little bit of like a cameo but it feels like it looks like he's like a main character in the movie like yeah there's a lot of Keaton I thought it was just gonna be like you know a little bit like oh Keaton's the Batman in this world and he just kind of comes in oh you know whatever but it feels like he's like an actual character it looked pretty dope to me yeah it did and uh, he kind of did the I'm Batman thing in the trailer (laughs) and it was really just a straight up teaser I think it was only like 30 seconds long or something. There Mm. was not much to it, which actually is kind of cool. Like, I kind of like that. Yeah. Do it as teasers. We don't need to see the whole movie. Mm. But, you know, it feels like, I guess it's like a standalone movie, but it feels like a little, I guess, sad because it's the end of the Snyder verse, right? Like, all these characters, that's like the last of that. So even if it does really well, like, what are they going to, I mean, Ezra, I guess, could still be Flash if they, like, stop being, doing whatever crazy stuff they're doing, like, if they clean their act up or whatever, but, uh... I don't know if that's going to happen, but it feels like even if it does well, like where are they going to, and then what, like all these characters, they can't really go anywhere with them. I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying that they're going to keep Ezra on and that they may keep Gal on as well. Yeah. And that it was really just Henry and Ben Affleck that they kind of shooed to the side. You know, my personal feeling is like, I, I hate Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Like, I think it's terrible, but you know, I'm just one guy. So, uh, I kind of wish they would just reboot the entire thing. Yeah. But I think some characters are going to hang out. Yeah. Whatever they is most profitable. Yeah. Yep. When Ezra will probably be the one, even with all the problems and, the, you know, kidnappings and all the crazy stuff that's gone on <laughs> with that guy, they're going to, he's going to be the guy that's going to hang around. Yeah. So, um, in new releases this week, we have a new version of Philip Marlowe coming out, starring Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Directed the, by Neil Jordan, too. Yeah, yeah, which I was kind of shocked at. doesn't mm-hmm. really seem like a Neil Jordan kind of movie, mm-hmm. but I don't know how big of a release this is going to be, um, but the other one is Ant-Man Quantumania. That's the other big release this week. That mm-hmm. one looks like it might be pretty good. Yep. Yeah, I'm seeing it on Wednesday, the yeah. screening. So we're kind of excited for that. Um, I'll have the review posted, you know, probably uh, Thursday, I'm thinking. I think the embargo lifts on Thursday. If it's not already up. Yeah. Uh, I think it might already be up. I haven't heard anything really, you know, any kind of first impressions about it or anything. Right, right. So um, suggested viewings this week. I talked about this one a little bit last week, but didn't really use it as my suggested viewing. But on Apple TV, there is a new version of the Mosquito Coast, and it's a very, very strong suggest. It's it's basically the same thing as the movie that starred Harrison Ford and River Phoenix about a family going to live on the Mosquito Coast, you know, away from society. Um, really, really good show. It's kind of a 
kind of like an espionage spy drama, but has a lot of familial things going on as well. Um, stars Justin Thoreau. Mm. We talked about him last week because we did the the Lynch podcast, so check that out. But yeah, it's on Apple TV. It's on season two right now. If you're a fan of like Breaking Bad, Mr. Robot, any of that kind of stuff, you will probably like this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So basically, his family goes off the grid. Okay. The wife has committed a crime in which somebody was unfortunately killed and now they're on the run from the FBI and they're trying to make their way away from civilization. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, you know, faced with a new civilization like well, in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. Wasn't the original film with Harrison Ford? Yeah. Yep. It was P- yeah. Peter Weir directed that one? I believe so. Yeah, Harrison Ford, River Phoenix. Yeah, it was a really good cast. But you know, as a two-hour movie, it didn't have the room to expand yeah. like this does. So, what do you got for us, Andrew? Uh, we saw this movie on Friday called The Outwaters, which is this new experimental horror film, found footage horror film, uh, no-name actors or director, uh, very grassroots shoestring budget, but these characters go into the Mojave Desert to shoot a music video for this album they're making, and... From there, it, it starts to get really surreal and hyperkinetic, very like the ending to 2001 where you're not really sure what you're looking at and you're hit with a lot of fast editing and visuals. I don't know. What did you think of it? I liked it. There were things about it I didn't like. Um, it did a little bit too much of the shaky cam found footage thing. Mm-hmm. I have an issue with that because it kind of makes me a little bit, um, I get motion sickness from it. Um, I love that there was the, the, the narrative was nondescript. Mm-hmm. We still don't even know what we saw. And as we've discussed on this podcast numerous times, sometimes the things you don't see and the things that lie in the dark that are mysterious are more scary than actually seeing the, the CGI monsters or whatnot. I liked the film, the, the end just started to lose me a little bit because mm-hmm. it went so bonkers with the upside down camera and the looking through, you mm-hmm. know, fish eye, mm-hmm. this flashlight and stuff. However, it was pretty gruesome. Mm-hmm. Like in those creatures that they showed, I'm not going to spoil it. were pretty awesome. Yeah. And the, the sound effects, mm-hmm. the sound effects and mixing. It's a real reason to see the movie. Mm-hmm. So reminded me a lot of Blair Witch though. You know, a lot of screaming, Heather, mm-hmm. Heather, Josh, you know, that thing gets kind of old. Mm-hmm. But all in all, I thought the Outwaters was really good. And I think it's a good kickoff for 2023 as far as horror goes. Mm-hmm. That so. and Skinamarink both have really ushered in experimental filmmaking as a as a horror subgenre or as far as what they do with found footage. Right, right. What do you got, Michelle? Uh, well, I was going to, I'll go with Edge of Tomorrow, uh, cause I rewatched it, uh, yesterday cause you know, we watched the last, uh, the last of us, you know, and then while you're on HBO max, sometimes you get, you know, get to scrolling around and then we were like, oh man, Edge of Tomorrow and Edge of Tomorrow also just got like a 4k. Yeah. Like kind of yep. recently too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it was a 4k presentation on HBO, but it looked really good. It might've been, I wasn't really paying attention. I think it is. But it looked really good. Um, and it's just like, you know, I, I'm sure most people know it's based on a Japanese light novel called All You Need Is Kill. And it, and uh, it's a pretty good adaptation, to be honest, of the material. And it kind of extrapolates and does its own thing, you know, makes it kind of westernizes it a little bit. But I was like really blown away by how good the f- CGI effects are. It's like weird. Some Sometimes you watch like an older movie and it looks really bad. And then other times you watch an older movie and it looks better than new movies. And Edge of Tomorrow's CGI is surprisingly really good. Like uh, Starship Troopers is another example of this where I think Starship Starship Troopers looks really good. For some reason, it's like hella old. You think it would look terrible, but it doesn't. I think maybe it's just more like, you know, if I don't know how much practical they used in Edge of Tomorrow, but their mech suits look cool and Mm -hmm. like the, the mimics look cool and... I know. And it's kind of fun to see, like, it's kind of like a subversion of the Tom Cruise type character where he's the cocky asshole. Well, like, you get to see him get turned into the cocky asshole. Yes. Like, you see him, like, all bumbling around. And he, like, 
suck shit at the beginning and then like slowly he starts morphing into like the normal tom cruise type character you, you get to see him be vulnerable and weak which you don't really see in a lot of action movies he usually is like the most competent person probably on purpose because he seems like the kind of guy that would want to be portrayed that way yeah but i don't know it's like a really fun it's kind of underrated really and I, I i remember when it first came out it wasn't very well received i mean it was like okay but it seemed like it just kind of came and went and i think now people are more like oh wow this is actually a pretty good movie it was with edge of tomorrow it was the poor marketing because mm-hmm. it was they they changed the name oh, in yeah. the middle of promoting it and live die repeat or yeah, something yeah live die repeat yeah live die repeat and then it was edge of tomorrow and you know now they've changed it back yeah. In like some instances, oh, did they? In some instances, oh, it's wow. still called Live, Die, Repeat. Which is a terrible name. That's... Which is a terrible name. And now, you know, they are working on a sequel, uh-huh. which nothing official has come out of the cruise camp yet. Yeah. But who is the director again? It's... uh Of the new one? It's Doug Lehman. Yeah. That mm-hmm. did Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, That's the Born Identity guy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, okay. Was it Go, Doug Lehman? I think so, yeah. Go was also his and... Uh... But... The new one they plan on calling Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat. Oh, that's even worse. It's like, come on, just Edge of Tomorrow too. Yeah, like how hard would that be? Edges of Tomorrow. (laughs) What's that? Edges of Tomorrow. Edges of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow is kind of a cool name. I actually quite like it. Tomorrow never knows. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) Tomorrow never dies. Wait. (laughs) But no, um, Edge of Tomorrow... I love that. I I watched that movie probably 20 times. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. And the other one that he had done just prior to that, Oblivion. Oh, yeah. It's another mm. one that just went completely under the Oblivion's radar. Oblivion's a little more like low-key, I guess. A little more like, it's kind of a little artsy-fartsy and sterile, I guess you yeah. could say. So I can see why Oblivion had a good-ass M83 soundtrack, though. Hell Soundtrack's yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, it, you know what's funny about Edge of Tomorrow is it has like a weird mid-2000 soundtrack. And like the end song, I can't remember what it was, but it was like the goofiest song like my boyfriend and i were like what the hell that was the end song we picked after all this like action it's like some goofy pop punk song it was kind of funny yeah um i love both of them i love both of them edge of tomorrow like there's constant rewatchability to that yeah. movie though especially the the middle part where he's yeah. like dying over and over and getting better it's like really watchable and tom cruise is really charismatic as i always thought it was you know it's funny when the first time he's like training and he breaks his back and he's just paralyzed and she's like well game over just shoots him in his head <laughs> i always yeah. thought that was funny it, was, it has like a sense of humor about the whole situation yeah, I'm just doing some more shares on this thing. Everybody's watching <laughs> the Super Bowl tonight, so. I was going to say, yeah. It's probably... That's okay. I just wanted to get a show in. You know, yeah. might as well. So, we're talking about, initially we said we were going to talk about Infinity Pool tonight, but we didn't think we would have enough to cover. So, we're going to try to cover all three of Brandon Cronenberg's films that he's released so far, beginning with Antiviral, which I just watched for the first time last night and was pretty i was blown away by it it's pretty grotesque it's a really good first film absolutely for somebody for sure caleb landry landry jones i think is how you pronounce Mm -hmm. his name he's really creepy in it in uh that kind of bloodless vampiric cronenberg role sarah gadon from cronenberg's other features uh uh which ones were they dangerous method Cosmopolis and Maps to the Stars. She was in all three of them, so it was pretty natural to cast her as well. It's funny because watching Antiviral for the first time, like the second the movie started, I'm like, this movie's so Canadian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really it looks like it. It like I'm like, this movie looks like Canada. I to think me. he shoots in Toronto yeah. pretty often. Yeah. I I don't know if that particular movie was shot in Toronto, but I know I'm pretty sure I think Possessor was. I think so, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The difference, the one thing I really noticed with this movie, like Possessor and um, Infinity Pool, they're very dark. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of cool lighting and a lot of this hypnotic stuff going on. With Antiviral, you don't really get that. Mm-hmm. This movie has a very, very, like, sterile. Kubrick style. Yeah, kinda. like, medical yeah. type look. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the um, the sets are just, just white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, very very sterile a little like thx 1138 in some ways yes yep 
Absolutely. We should probably just like warn everybody that there will be spoilers for all three of Brandon yes, there will be spoilers. Films. Just yes. so, and you know, in case somebody's like, "Oh no, I'm seeing it," and they're gonna be mad later. <laughs> yeah, there will definitely be spoilers. But yeah, I think antiviral is a really strong first effort. Um, in the beginning of the movie, like the first two thirds, I was completely sold. Like I messaged you, and I'm like, yeah. "This is great," you know. But as it started to get towards the end, it really began to kind of fall apart for me. And it didn't really seem like he knew exactly how to stick the landing with it. Mm -hmm. Like, all of a sudden, this one idea became, like, ten different ideas. And we had all these different things going on. And it just didn't really mesh well for me. Mm -hmm. And, like, that last act, it kind of just... I think that's an issue kind of with all three of his films, that the third act falls apart a little bit. I think he has, like, these really interesting high-concept uh, ideas that he it's just because he's a newer filmmaker doesn't have the you know he, he just can't stick the landing quite as much I, I feel like he doesn't latch completely onto his concept enough right, right. Uh, Possessor is the one I think that is the best out of his three films at, agreed like agreed. taking a concept from beginning to its ultimate end and like sticking with it and like not getting I guess like uh, distracted or off course like he does like Antiviral starts out with this interesting concept of what if society was so obsessed with celebrities and that they want every part of them and to include uh you know we'll we'll just give the basic premise of them like uh you know they want people can basically buy viruses that celebrities have had so it feels like a part of the celebrity is in them because i mean they don't really talk about this too specifically in the film but when you get sick um you your body mounts up a defense and you get something called T-cells, which is why, uh, and then later when you get sick with the same disease, again, your body remembers the previous disease. It remembers when it had it and it makes it like, you know, makes up, a, uh, it fights it quicker, right? It can like shore up all the white blood cells and all that. So the T-cells are actually stay in your body for like, like ever for most diseases. So basically they're selling you the idea that these T cells that you got from a celebrity will be inside of you forever. So a piece of the celebrity is basically existing inside your, you on a cellular level. And people are so obsessed with celebrity in this film that they want to be infected with diseases. And uh, this company actually copyrights said diseases and uh, sells them, you know, like it's like interesting because the film came out in 2012 when, uh, so, you know, social media was just kind of really exploding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the olden days when people were famous, you you the, the studio was the only people that let you into their lives. You only knew what they wanted you to know about them. Right, right. But now with the advent of Twitter, it's like people have direct contact with celebrities and they can know every single aspect of their personal life and some celebrities even use this to advantage and like sell things right like like oh you know kim kardashian wore this brand of shoes i would like those brand of shoes you know and and this takes it this i guess just takes it to like the ultimate level right the 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 or instead of it being an outside force it's like a bio organic thing you can own from the celebrity which is like really fascinating and still kind of like resonant today like it's even worse now with like you know how much there's no there's no uh layer between people and celebrity now it's like it's like you know you can just you have complete access to almost 100 direct line yeah right to them you know Mm -hmm. and like this movie like i'm watching it is like the themes that he hit on hit on with like addiction and all of that with like, oh, basically, I'm going to take this virus home yeah. that is, you know, cloned from this celebrity. I'm going to inject it into myself yeah. so that I can get sick. Like, there's like, there's no drug use going on in this movie. Yeah. It's like everybody in this movie is addicted to being sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And celebrities. And he's yeah. also, he's a, he's a disease bootlegger. Like, he injects them into himself so that he can copy... He takes a copyright off him with that machine and his, right, right. his thing. So he's like a disease bootlegger, which is crazy to me. <laughs> That's just, It's just so... I, I don't know. I think I feel like this movie would have played, like, gangbusters now because of the whole Agreed. COVID thing. Mm. And it's like... I, I'm sorry if I'm talking too much, but no. this, this movie fascinates me because I, I think about when... You remember when COVID first was spreading around 
And everybody was like, oh, it's kind of like a thing that's in China. Oh, it's in America, but a couple of people. It's like, whatever. It's kind of, it's not going to get to us. And then do you remember when Tom Hanks came out and said he had COVID? He was like the first really famous person, I feel like, that caught COVID. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, oh, shit, Tom Hanks has COVID? It must be like for reals. And it's weird that it took a celebrity catching COVID for people to right, kind of right. like it hit home that, hey, maybe this is like something you should be concerned about. And I feel like that, it, that this movie kind of plays on that idea of like it's it, something's only interesting if a celebrity does it, not when a regular person does it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of prescient in that way. Yeah. It's a gross movie. It yeah. really is. The you- behaviors in the movie... And the gore and the disgusting stuff with eating meat that's been cloned from humans. And it's kind of grayish white. And it looks, it, it's not a film you want to eat. Like if you if you were to see this in the theater and you were eating something, you'd probably regurgitate it mid-movie. <laughs> I was eating mm. while I was watching this and I was just like, bad, idea. bad, bad idea. <laughs> and it's just weird because mm. when they are eating this cloned flesh the cloned flesh steaks mm-hmm. i mean they're like enamored with this they're yeah. like fully like i am eating part of this celebrity right now i am imbibing in the flesh of another human to try and be closer to them right really kind of fucked up yeah mm-hmm. as far as you know thematics go Blah. and like you know and and the and like, a, you know, like we t- discussed earlier with Brandon Cronenberg's films, this is like a really good example of how he tends to have a really strong idea that he just can't quite like extrapolate on to all the way to the end of the film. Because I feel like this film kind of falls apart a little bit in the third yeah. act and more than a little bit, a lot, actually. Um, you know, it's it's just like and, and I feel like it he was a little bit too. And it's going to be, it's inevitable that he's going to be compared to his father, David Cronenberg, because there's just no, especially because he didn't like change his last name. You know, like Stephen King's son calls himself Joe Hill because he wanted to be taken seriously as a writer and not have the King kind of like moniker. Like there's a lot of like baggage with that, right? It's a stigma. Yeah. There's like a stigma. And also you're just going to be compared to your dad and his dad does stuff a certain way. And he kind of, I feel like um, with antiviral, he isn't as uh, you know confident in his abilities and, and it feels like it's biting off his dad a little bit more especially like the kind of body horror stuff where like that he's having those hallucinations and he's like turned into like his machine he has that thing in his mouth and mm-hmm. like the stuff coming out it felt very like video drum-esque kind of like a style of body horror that david cronenberg mm-hmm. is like made famous um, I mean, you could tell like he's kind of starting to do his own thing. I I think it's interesting, like the machine he uses to uh, that they use to uh, manipulate the virus, and it makes those like weird smeary faces. Mm-hmm. Like he has like this really he loves that kind of imagery of like distortion of faces, of distortion of images, more so than distortion of like actual organic bodies. And I love that part of it. How they basically explained like these viruses have a face and yeah. these faces the, what you're seeing that's like the face the image of the virus yeah this twisted contorted head mm-hmm. you know and you're like oh god um but no when before you got here me and andrew were talking about this movie a little bit and there are some scenes or some callbacks or throwbacks or whatever you want to call them that are very reminiscent of dead ringers yeah some of the medical aspects of it and some of the things they did mm-hmm. really kind of seem samey yeah but i mean which is okay do you i mean it's like people like to say it in a negative fashion but yeah. like he this is dad man he's, of course yeah. he's influenced by his father like i mean it just is what it is you know it's only his first feature he had yeah. two more to figure things out and which is interesting that he, he would do two more features but his, his next one was his very best i still think possessor yeah possessor is like perfect yeah there's nothing wrong with this movie it the the story's really good um there's a lot of sci-fi to it yeah but it's also a horror film and it's a thriller Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of mystery to it but man when he goes for the violence in this one I mean, he doesn't mess around. Yeah. No. Like, when it ramps up, you're like, holy shit. Like, this is nasty. 
I went to see it. Uh, it had a very brief release in theaters during COVID, and I went anyway, probably against my better judgment. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> oh, come on, COVID's see, not real. <laughs> <laughs> seeing seeing something like that in the theater, especially unrated, because it was released unrated and uncut, it was really extreme for a multiplex film. I thought there were parts in it that like bordered on soft pornography. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's even uh, the penis scene in it, too, yeah. mm-hmm. which, you know, you typically don't get that in theatrical releases at all. Mm-hmm. That was released through, I think, Wellgo USA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So they probably were able to get it out unrated, whereas bigger companies like Neon, they probably have to comply with rating sport rules yeah. and all that. So when I rewatched Possessor last night there's some very striking imagery in this one and honestly i don't think this film would be as strong as it is without the opening sequence mm-hmm. like this movie you know a lot of movies like you just get your intro and like yeah. you know la di da this is going on this movie from the setup that first like 30 seconds with that woman at the very Mm -hmm. beginning, you are like literally thrown into this world. Yeah. And he goes for, he just goes for the throat immediately. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as soon as this thing starts, like this is going to be good. Mm -hmm. This is going to be really, really good. Mm -hmm. It's really innovative too. Like the the sequences with the melting faces, melting into each other during the first, possession or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it yeah. that whole sequence is just revolutionary it's like going back to the early days of avant-garde experimental filmmaking where it didn't have to have a meaning attached to it it, it could just be pure cinema that's that's basically my impression of that uh, that whole montage sequence that's really when he came to his own i think was right with right. that sequence just to you know catch people up that are listening to refresh their memory about possessor so the the plot of possessor is basically there is an assassination agency that has the technology to be able to transfer your consciousness from your body the assassin's consciousness to another body where they possess said body uh physically uh overtake their uh senses and use their body to murder somebody uh that the target and then they once the target has been murdered they have the person they are possessing kill themselves uh and then they leave their consciousness their consciousness leaves the body um which is actually like a really fucking cool concept that's like a really cool twist on you know what's pretty much like you know assassination stuff's like pretty old um but i i I liked the idea i guess in possessor the most that uh the uh assassin the assassin her name is voss her last name is Voss, uh, played by Andrea Riseborough. Riseborough. Yep. Am I saying her name right? Andrea Riseborough, who's a fantastic actress. Um, every time she possesses somebody, she has to be careful that she doesn't mix her consciousness too much. She doesn't. She she has to be careful. She doesn't undergo uh, ego death inside, right. right? Because she's inside somebody's body, and I'm sure it's very jarring. You know, if you look different, um, and she has to be very careful that she doesn't absorb too much of their consciousness into hers and mix them up. With her memory, so every time she comes out of an assassination, she gets asked questions, kind of like Blade Runner twenty forty nine style, like, like you know, to make sure that she her memories are hers and she hasn't, you know, mixed them up. Sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like a really super uh, intriguing concept. That I think he does really well with. Yeah. So what's funny is when I was watching this last night, when he goes to the house the party Mm -hmm. with his girlfriend and meets the father played by sean bean yeah Mm -hmm. correct so we We all know what's gonna happen we always know what's gonna happen because sean (laughs) bean always bites it um (laughs) it really kind of takes on like this nolan type of look the Mm -hmm. lighting and kind of the gothic tone that goes on inside that home yeah it looks like a christopher nolan movie mm-hmm. and as i'm watching it i'm like this almost seems like something christopher nolan could do like it has that kind of you know strange like yeah. weird like mysterious science fiction thing going on that 
he would do. Yeah. Like with like Inception or something like that. Yeah, like Twisty Turny. And it does. It it actually feels like a Nolan movie in a lot of ways, but then we start to get bloody. Yeah. What do you make of, uh, in, it's only in this film of his three, what do you make of everybody vaping in the world of that movie? <laughs> I know. What was up with that? Like every single character is vaping in it. I think it just looks cool, I guess. I think it looks cool, but I think I kind of got the feeling that he was poking fun at it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're a bunch of hipsters. Yeah. And they're sitting around at their party mm-hmm. and they're vaping. You know, that's kind of what I got from it. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, though. I don't know. It seemed like it was intrinsic to that world, like everybody switched to vaping at that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no. a, it seems like it's like a movie that's like talking about, you know, violence by proxy, I guess. Like, you know, how you play video games and you control a character and your character can do like some of the most vile things and violent things in games, but you're separated from that character, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, but you're also like, they're, they're like your avatar in a world. Well, she's basically doing the same thing. She's like using an avatar to like do these hideous things. And there's this idea that um, the violence that she commits as this other person bothers her on an intrinsic level um but uh it bothers her to kill to commit these violent acts but since she's doing these violent acts under the guise of another person like literally that i guess she has this way of it like kind of like distancing herself from it yeah and it also affects how she interacts with her family because uh she's trying to separate she basically does these horrific you know violent gory acts and then goes home to her husband and child right and she and she's finding herself more and more distant from them because she's committing these horrible horrible acts i mean she probably has ptsd i'm sure oh i'm sure there's a scene early on with the husband that i found interesting where they're having sex and she looks kind of bored and she she's thinking about the murder that she did earlier Mm -hmm. yeah under the possession and that starts to turn her on yes it's almost like, I don't know if this is the best way to say it, but it's almost like, you know, she's inhabiting this other person, but it almost seems like she's experiencing it through VR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not real, even though it is real, Yeah. but like it doesn't have that physicality to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah. Yeah. But she's still taking that baggage home with her. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like if any of us... We're, you know, sitting around with VR goggles on 24-7. We're going to take those things off and we're going to be fucked up, you Mm -hmm. know. But, um, sorry, I'm getting distracted tonight. Well, but but that's kind of like, I think the point of the film is, is that she... Because at the you know at the midpoint of the film, the person that she is possessing to commit the crime uh, is able to wrestle control of his body like back from her. Right. Um. And but she's like can't get out of it, so she's basically held prisoner in his body. Her consciousness is held prisoner in his body, and he goes back to her family and you know commits atrocities. But she also I think feels a. a kind of relieved when her family is killed because she has been i guess set free from that obligation to have other people in her life which is ultimately i think the the goal of the other of her handler is to like ultimately like sever her completely from society that so so she Mm. can just use her as an assassin and that kind of like constantly yeah and that like cuts off her last like vestige of humanity and I i feel like possessor is where Brandon Cronenberg really like tears himself away from the shadow of his father and starts going into what he finds interesting, which is he's more of like, you know, whereas David Cronenberg's more about body horror, the organic, the physical. Brandon Cronenberg's more about like existential, like like metaphysical, in like your soul, mm-hmm. like your consciousness, like your mental health, like that kind of like destruction, destruction of 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 the inside of your mind. He's more interested in that than his father is. So I think it's like an interesting kind of like offshoot of like he, he is his father's son, but he's doing his own thing he's extrapolating off of what his father does and taking it his own direction which is interesting 
which is great because I mean you definitely he's always going to be in the shadow of his father no matter what there's yeah. always going to be comparisons made but I do feel like with Possessor it is kind of its own thing yeah mm-hmm. it really is and yeah there's some of those markers there some of the visual elements some of the trippy things that yeah. start to happen with the faces pulling apart and yeah the weirdness that goes on mm-hmm. um but no overall like I feel like this is a much more realized vision and it from front to back like he delivers an entire story yeah. like you feel like you get a beginning a middle and an end and it moves along really well too mm-hmm. there's no there's no like real lull in this movie and i really did feel watching it again this was the third time i watched it i've not seen it for a couple of years and finally got to come back to it again um, Did you watch the 4K? Yeah. Okay. It looks great. Yeah, I have the 4K too. I haven't checked out the 4K. It version. looks really good. Some of that purple and blue and red yeah. lighting in it just mm. looks phenomenal, and the sound is great too. But I just felt like this is like actually a really good movie. I think the violence part of it is probably too extreme for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like for me, like I don't mind that violence. I feel like he told a really good story yeah. that if you took the violence in the gore away from it, this movie could still exist mm-hmm. without that. Yeah. And that in itself is a success. And I think, you know, it just shows that I think he's going to have legs going forward. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like with infinity pool, that one's pretty messy, kind of like antiviral yeah. in a lot of ways. But with Possessor, like I'm like, man, this guy's like really firing on all cylinders with this one. Mm-hmm. The first time I watched Possessor, it did feel a little bit laggy to me. But now that I knew kind of what I was getting into, yeah. I liked it a lot more. So it's just more like experimental. I feel like than his dad. He's more. His movies are a little floatier, ambiguous, a little more artsy fartsy, as yeah. some people might say. His dad doesn't use stroboscopic editing or uh, rapid yeah. fire editing and their sequences and possessor and especially infinity pool that for viewers that have problems with epilepsy should avoid these movies altogether yeah yeah amc had the little sign up oh yeah yeah for well, infinity pool yeah yeah yeah. Was, yeah infinity pool is even more stroby man i was like I was like a little barfy. I mean, for a little bit for me because it was just extended. They just do it for so long. Yeah, yeah, but no, I think um, Possessor altogether is a very good film, and I think that you know, I kind of hope that maybe he gets back to this a little bit more. Yeah, you know, in the next couple of years, I don't know what he's doing next. Yeah, but so you know. Again, he kind of got away from his father's legacy a little bit with this one. Yeah. He found his, found his niche in yes. the second movie. So are we ready to move on to Infinity Pool, or do we have other stuff we want to say about Possessor still? I'm pretty good on Possessor. What about you, Andrew? Um, I think we're pretty good on Possessor because we, we covered that. Oh, one thing I do want to talk about is uh, there's this technique that he uses in some of the dream sequences in Possessor where... It seems like characters are focused and then they split into two mm-hmm. characters and and he uses that I think he uses it in Infinity Pool also. I'm not yeah, quite he sure. Does. What's that called? You said it's called stereo I'm not, it? I'm not sure. Um I mean he uses stroboscopic uh editing for many of the hyperkinetic sequences that flash several really striking images within a blink of an eye within a millisecond um but as far as the effect used to stretch the two people into two separate characters i'm not sure how he did that must have been like a a focus pull effect or something i don't know it's crazy looking for sure Mm -hmm. that's my favorite part of the movie where you're talking about where uh the guy's uh getting control of his his body back from the assassin yeah and he's like <laughs> i was like a really cool use of a of a it looked like a rubber mask also where yeah. he's like manipulating like he's ripping control over he's like pulling like like basically like you know the metaphor is the mask is like her consciousness over top of his consciousness and she's and he's pulling it off mm-hmm. and it just looks fucking cool 
I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, whoa. That's exactly what I said, too. I was like, whoa. It's <laughs> really creepy looking. <laughs> that is. scene with the rubber mask. Yeah. Like, you're like, is this reality? Is this not reality? It's the it's, poster image, too, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's very evocative. Yeah. Yeah. It is the poster. I kind of take it as it's him wearing her face. Yeah. You know? Because the mask looks like her. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of a reverse situation. Now, like, he's donning her persona. Yeah. So his first two movies were very firmly set in Canada, whereas Infinity Pool moves to Europe. I think they shot it in Croatia, but it takes place in some kind of fictitious... uh, The White Lotus. It was called Lee Toka. I looked it up because I couldn't remember what that country was called you know it's funny i was looking i was like is that when i first watched it, i was like is that a real place i don't think it is and then later i was like oh no that's it's made up <laughs> vaguely eastern european place <laughs> it's like it's like russia from wish or something i don't know <laughs> uh, so how when did we see infinity pool it was like two weeks ago right yeah this movie's a trip mm-hmm. it's a total trip again it, i don't think it's as good as possessor but you know there is a more straightforward narrative with this one yeah. as well um pretty gory i don't know somebody else take this take the stage for me for now um i know it was edited down from an nc-17 and it's i don't know if they're doing an unrated version or not but you could kind of tell what areas they they tone down like there's a sequence where uh, mia goss character is jerking off the main character alexander skarsgård and pretty sure that scene was toned down from what it originally was i'm guessing what did so. they not show he came they show come they yeah they probably With some wiener in it or something like. they <laughs> i think they just made it look like water to try and digitally <laughs> yeah right 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 they De- do that they a lot decumified it they, yes that's they the, de-jizzed it de-jizzer yeah. The DJs are 2000. It's a new plug-in, DJs. <laughs> Yo, you got the new version of DJizzer? <laughs> but no, uh, this movie is pretty graphic overall. I mean, yeah. really, when we saw it you know, at AMC and we were like, oh, yeah, it's the edited version. Yeah. I was kind of like, how much, you know worse could it really get because yeah, it is i would be pretty... interested to see the unrated version and, and compare because it was like pretty intense it's a definitely a hard hard r mm-hmm. oh totally well mm-hmm. we can give like a little summary to kind of catch people up on infinity pool just a refresher infinity pool is about a writer named uh, james foster i think yes uh who's played by alexander sasgard and he is on vacation at uh on Lee Tolka, which is a fictional, like I said, vaguely Eastern European style uh, island country. I believe it's an island. Um, they're on a resort, and uh, you know they meet up with Mia Goth, who and her husband, who are also on the island vacationing, and they take them on an excursion out on the outside of the resort, where uh, Alexander Sarsgaard's character commits a crime accidentally, and uh, in this country, for some reason, they have access to a technology that allows to make them to make perfect clones of people. And if you get in trouble and you have enough money, you can buy a clone of yourself to be punished in your stead. Um, and punishment is an execution. And you have to watch your clone be executed. So that is the main, that's the, the main concept is the idea of a country where the tourism is buying a clone of yourself to be murdered. I'm just, I'm. It sounds so funny when you just like it, say like, it out loud. Yeah, it's, I'm going to write this movie about this place. Like, and if you go there and you commit a crime, like if you murder somebody, you shoot somebody or something hmm. bad happens, well, they're going to clone you and then they're going to kill your clone. Can you imagine being in the room during that meeting? Like, mm. if I were some executive, I'd be like, dude, what are you on? But he was also <laughs> like, I'm Brandon Cronenberg. And they're like, oh, Cronenberg. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it sounds right, weird. Right. Whatever. Yeah, the premise is like really, really far out there. Mm-hmm. It's very far reaching. And the thing, the problem I had with it was, okay, they're going to clone you if you commit a crime. You murder somebody, we're going to clone yeah. you, and then we're going to kill your clone, and you have to watch it happen. You have to witness your own death, basically. Yeah. 
the technology is like so baseline in this thing. Yeah. Like there was no explanation for it. Mm-hmm. They throw you in this like chamber, basically, and next thing you know, you're cloned. Yeah. Again, I kind of wanted to like know more. Like I wanted a little bit more of an explanation about how did like this weird ass like third world country get this technology that they don't have anywhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In how did this even become a thing? Yeah. There's like no explanation. It just is. I think mm-hmm. I think maybe it's a smarter idea to leave that vague because then it becomes the whole focus of the film. I think the, right. the film, you know, would be focused more on like like these intricacies, like, well, why does this country have it? Why doesn't any other country have it? How do they afford it? Like, blah, 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 blah. I mean, obviously they can afford it because people pay, right? Yeah. Like, like the whole point is that this island's actual real tourism is the fact that rich people can come there and terrorize and brutalize the population and pay to have themselves cloned and they could basically it they can do what they want so later in the film there's like a, a a whole group of rich assholes that literally just go around like killing people on the island and buying clones of themselves so obviously the island real tourism and the real way they make money is by catering to these rich assholes right yeah um and it's kind of funny because like the the resort they're staying on they put like this bare minimum like effort into any other aspect of it like they have like these shitty live shows and like they go to this this chinese restaurant that's like super like stereotypical and kind of racist actually and it's it's kind of funny that they put so little effort in it's basically a front like you know how like you yeah. know in godfather movies or, or like gangster movies they'll have like a shitty pizza parlor and the food sucks right, but it's right. really like a money laundering operation so like this entire country is a money money laundering operation for this clone murdering business but the more interesting aspect of it is that the james character Alan, alexander saskard the first time he buys a clone of himself and he watches him getting murdered he enjoys it he it unlocks oh a he's kink. totally into it yeah he's totally kink unlocked right like it was like a little like <laughs> achievement like you know like he was like oh shit i'm kind of into this you know so the, it kind of explores that aspect of it more than like the sci the sci-fi aspect of the cloning the cloning is, is like secondary i guess to that well what i really found interesting was this was a really good way of exploring americans going places mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. acting like total idiots and people from these other countries like looking at us like what are you even doing it's like, a little like uh, hostile in some ways yeah like us not knowing how to behave in a foreign country mm-hmm. and you know thinking everything is going to be our way yeah you know and even them like the um the way they just like leave the compound like they just feel like oh we're good we're going to leave the compound we're going to take this vehicle and we're yeah. going to go out to the shore and we're going to get drunk. And that's all against the rules. They're mm-hmm. not supposed to leave. But they're just like American tourists. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we can do whatever we want. You know? So it's like this punishment for acting crazy abroad. Yeah. You know? And it's like why so many countries hate us. It's like what they always say, like, you know, the French, they hate when Americans come there and, yeah. you know, go to Paris because Americans act like tools. You know? When we went there, we didn't act like tools. You know, we are pleases and thank yous and, you know, be very polite and they're polite back to you. But this movie, I really do think it explores that aspect of we got all these people coming here and they're acting and doing whatever they want to do. So now we have a way to screw them back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Make money from it, at least, yeah, I guess. Right. Make uh, millions of dollars from tourism on a front that didn't already exist. Yeah. But there's also like this other interesting side of it where <laughs> this like this movie is pretty kinky, you know. And Alexander Saskar's character, James Foster, is a writer that is not. Um, he's a writer that basically got his writing chance from nepotism, mm-hmm. which is an interesting analog in real life because I'm sure Brandon Cronenberg has been accused of being a nepotism baby or whatever, what right, have you. Right. And James Foster, the writer in the 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 movie, kind of to me feels like a stand-in for Brandon Cronenberg. Like he, uh, there's this part, like basically the movie is escalating humiliation kink fetish for James' character who mm-hmm. secretly craves it, but is like scared of the idea that is what he wants from his life. And Mia Goth is like basically a dominatrix that's like tearing him down mentally and physically until she's walking him like a dog on a leash, naked. 
you know, towards the end of the film. Which I is, welcome it. Yeah. It's, but I ju- <laughs> it just feels really funny where there's this part where they're, um, they have Al- uh, Alexander Sarsgaard's character, like, walking in front of a car and Mia Goff sitting on the car getting drunk with a bottle of wine berating him, reading his shitty reviews, his terrible reviews of right. his book. And it feels like this is a direct, like, response of Brandon Cronenberg to people doing that with his movies. They're like, you know, well, you only got that because of your dad. And this isn't as good as your dad's work. And, like, it felt like he was kind of, like... Hitting back at his critics. Yeah, exploring the idea, you mm-hmm. know, of 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 being someone that lives in the shadow of, of an artist, you know? Yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. And, again, much like Possessor... You know, some of these visual effects are pretty outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, even though there's not a lot of it, but when it does happen, it's kind of it kind of throws you off a little bit. Mm-hmm. The color scheme of this movie is a lot more uh, kind of neon reds and blues and kind of rainbow colors, whereas Possessor kind of had a goldish red orange hue to it, and some sequences did, you know, go into more uh, abstract colors, but in uh, Infinity Pool, he he pushed it even further. I thought, in terms of the hyperkinetic kaleidoscopic visuals. What did you think of the film overall? Um, I thought the same thing that you guys did, which was that it was kind of kind of loses its way in the third act. It just kind of ends. In a, I don't want to say an incongruent note, but they they felt like there was closure to Possessor, whereas that this just sort of left you hanging. It leaves you hanging like the main character, which might have been the point. I think it was kind of the point because we know now, you know, he sent the one home and he stayed to continue doing and acting like an American asshole mm-hmm. on, you know, this on foreign soil. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at some point he's going to run out of money. Yeah. I mean, how much can he keep? Well, he know? was using her money. He wasn't oh, even using his right. own money. So maybe he knew he was going to run out of money and he's just like, whatever. I think my favorite part of the movie is Mia Goth. I think that um, she's just having so much fun in this role. And I think after doing like X in Pearl, I think she's really found like her wheelhouse mm-hmm. in her own little niche. Yeah. And with this one with infinity pool, like I really feel like now she's kind of like comfortable, but you know, expanding on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she like, she's great in this movie Yeah, and she's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like very engaging every time she's on screen where, you know, a lot of times like, yeah, okay. She's just another character, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, you can tell like she's fully invested in this character mm-hmm. and I mean, she, she's crazy. She's absolutely crazy mm-hmm. in this movie, which I mean, I guess she is married to Shia. So yeah, she <laughs> I always forget about that. I'm like, Oh yeah. They, yeah, and they have a baby together, too. Oh, really? Yep. Huh. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. And I think they're back together. I know they broke up for a while. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they're back together. It must be fun to be their kid and grow up watching their movies. Oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious. Can you imagine that? Like, yeah, Mom, you uh, you got raped and disemboweled in that, what was it, High Life movie? And mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She was in that. And uh, gets her open fracture in Suspiria. Um, and she was a nymphomaniac too, right? Yeah, she was, I think, in a smaller role. Yeah. And she was also in that uh, uh, Cure for Wellness. Oh, okay. Right, right. Which was another one that, uh, like, man, they went there with... Oh, it makes sense. It's Mia Goth. They, she goes yeah. out on a limb every time in every movie she's in. You know, I'm hoping that she doesn't just get typecast now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That, you know, maybe she won't allow herself to be typecast. But, I mean, it does kind of seem like she is in that groove now. Yeah. Kind of always doing the weird mm-hmm. kind of... Unhinged Unhinged character. character. But she does it so damn well. Yeah. And I think this is kind of like the best she's done with it to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I liked Infinity Pool a lot. I just think it was a little bit, 
it kind of meanders. Yeah, it's unfocused. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. unfocused. It meanders a little bit. I think it could have moved a little bit faster in spots, and I do think it kind of loses its way a little mm-hmm. bit, just like antiviral. But I don't really have anything bad to say about it. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it is just a third movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the, t- the title sequence was a lot like Enter the Void with its uh, really aggressively different fonts per screen card mm-hmm. and the the bright neon colors. That was uh, <clears throat> the first thing I thought of watching it was, oh, this is going to be like Enter the Void. And, and parts of it are, as far as uh, the sensory assault, the audiovisual sensory assault that uh, caused all the warning labels in the theater lobbies. Like, if you go see this movie, you might uh, you might have a reaction to it. You know what I forgot about is this movie actually, in parts, kind of reminded me of A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. yeah when they break they into the, that house. When they break into that house, the first thing I thought was, this is like totally, you know, you know, paying a little bit of respect to mm-hmm. Kubrick. Mm-hmm. But when they break into that house, it's very, like very much like a clockwork orange Mm -hmm. right down to them wearing those masks yeah yeah and they're they're out going to you know secluded rich people's houses to terrorize them yeah so i wonder what his influence was for this if that was you know (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised if it was you know i wonder has this movie done well at the box office uh against its budget yeah it it did pretty well from what i read did he make this during the pandemic too yeah, no, he did. Yeah, he did. It was in development before 2019, but it uh, didn't get into principal photography until after the pandemic. Okay, you can kind of tell. Yeah, you know how we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of tell what movies were filmed during the pandemic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that with this one. Very bleak, mm-hmm. very bleak movie overall. All three of them are really. They just, are. There's not a lot of, uh, I mean, the ending to Possessor is, is, and and probably why that's still my favorite of them is because it really comes full circle and brings closure, whereas Antiviral and Infinity Pool just sort of end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that end of Possessor is just like, holy shit. Yeah. It just killed everybody, (laughs) you know. This one, like, I... It's weird, like, at this ending, I'm kind of like, I kind of want to see more of these people, even yeah. though they're completely unhinged and crazy, mm-hmm. but you see Mia Goth's character and her, is it her husband? Yes. Yeah. I'm you pretty see, sure it is. You see them, like, going back to a normal life, and then you've got James here, who's like, oh, I'm just going to stick around. Well, he's, mm-hmm. like, more, I guess, affected, like, mentally, like... They kind of see it as an excursion. You know, like you, you talk about people like what happens on vacation stays on vacation right, kind right. of thing. Uh, that kind of I concept is like they're just like whatever. It's another summer at Infinity and, you know, El- Lee Toka and murdering people do it again next year. So they're kind of just chill. And James is like shell shocked. He's like, what the fuck did I just do for months? You know, yeah, like, yeah, he's he a broken man. Yeah, he's broken. Spirit's been broken. You know, that's why. That's why he stays, I think, because he knows, like, he he can't go back to society feeling how he feels, knowing what he knows. I guess, like, he's seen behind the curtain, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what's that What's that thing with, like, uh, that Plato's philosophy, like, the, th- the people that are in the cave, Plato's cave, you know, like, where they see the shadows on the wall, they've been locked in there, and they don't know what's actually going on in the real world. And then right, when, right. when they see what's actually happening, and they try to, like, tell the people that are in the cave about it, it seems incredulous and scary and and like you know he's 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 actually he's escaped his prison and found out what really goes on you know and he just can't ever be the same it is very similar to hostel in that way mm-hmm. for sure you know this like criminal organization basically setting these you know crimes up yeah pay for murder yeah yeah the scene where they're all killed like when they're all cloned, oh, yeah. <laughs> that I, I, it was so funny. It's funny. It mm-hmm. was, and you hate to say that, you know, but it was. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reminded me of another movie too, but I can't remember what it was right now. But I do look forward to seeing this one again. Mm-hmm. You know, this will definitely be a uh, 
a day one purchase for me. Especially if it's unrated. I'm interested to see what the hell yeah. did they cut out because they left a lot in. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. <clears throat> we got anything else on this one? I don't mm. think so. I don't think so. It's Sunday. Is this place directed? Did he ever? Did he do like any short films or anything? He did a few shorts, I believe. Um, I've never, I haven't seen any. I was just wondering if he's if this is literally all he's done. I know he had done some other stuff. I will look that up right now. One thing that did come of uh, his second movie, Possessor, his his dad started making movies again. Is Whether, that what inspired him? Um, I. I would have to imagine so. Like, you know, my son is stealing my thunder. <laughs> Time to claim it back. Right, right. <laughs> so, and David Cronenberg's already got another movie in uh, production. I think it's called The Shrouds. And Leah Seydoux's returning. I'm not sure who else is in it or what it's about. I hope it's better than Crimes of the Future, which I don't really necessarily think was a bad movie. It just didn't, you know sink its hooks in to me. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time. I struggled through that one. Mm-hmm. I did pick up the 4K. I'm going to give it another yeah. shot, you know, but it, I just really didn't get it like some of his other stuff. I thought it was a major improvement over his last movie, Maps of the Stars. Oh, yeah. Maps of the Stars was just... When did you do Maps of the Stars? Like, how much of a gap was there between that and this? Eight and... years. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he definitely slowed down. Yeah, he's For getting sure. up there. He's in his 80s, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got to be. So, Brandon Cronenberg had done um, two short films, Broken Tulips, The Camera, and Christopher Merck in 2008 and 2010. Then he did Antiviral in 2012. And then from 2014 to 2016, he just did um, three, four music videos. Okay. Three for a project called Animalia. And another one for, called Juge. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, he did a, another short called Please Speak Continuously and Describe Your Experiences as They Come to You, um, which sounds like a Brandon Cronenberg project. <laughs> uh, a psych, a psych, psychiatric patient with a brain implant that allows her to relive her dreams, finds her reality being encroached upon in unappetizing and surreal ways. So... Um, that was in 2019 and then possessor was in 2020 and infinity pool in 2023. So he's had, you know, some work in between there. Um, I'm, he has nothing upcoming though on his IMDB page. So who knows, you know, it might take him a little while to come up with something else. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes when you're dealing with these types of stories, maybe it does take a little while. Mm Mm-hmm. But when it comes to them, I'm probably like, okay, let's get this done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. <clears throat> All right. You guys want to wrap it? Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, this was episode 137. Excuse us for being sleepy tonight. <laughs> we'll be back next week, uh, probably on Saturday. And then um, we'll have a week off. And then we'll be back in March. I've got some ideas stewing for shows. So we will see you guys then. Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.